I'm joined by Damian Gutierrez. He's our VP of Transit. Phil Stimson, our Regional Vice President in the East. And Jason Kuberman, our Chief Product Experience Officer. Cities and urban centers have been hit especially hard during the pandemic, and it's one of the places that the change in consumer behavior and populations and movement was really most evident. And even more evident was the impact it had on public transit across the country. Obviously, today we are an out-of-home company, so our conversation isn't intended to be a full point of view on the state of transit and the state of cities recovering in the pandemic. But it is a thoughtful discussion on what brands coming back to cities mean and how they can think about public transit, reaching consumers, and connecting with the audiences that they used to reach in the big cities for all the reasons that they used to advertise in those locations. As people return to cities and brands are starting to reconsider their ad spend, whether that's new locations or how they should be reaching people with different types of assets, where does public transit fit in? So I feel very lucky to sort of sit where I sit within the company. I get to work with all of our transit authority partners on the eastern half of the U.S. And so I have a, you know, I get to see how the the pandemic has really affected the fabric of these cities and, and understand how uh, recovering is happening in each of these cities. And what, what's really core and common to all of the municipalities, the major municipalities where we have operations, is that the transit systems there are, are truly the, the blueprints of these cities. For a city to function, it really does require a functioning and capable transit system. Vibrant transit system means a bustling city, a growing city, and these cities, as they start to come out of lockdowns and you know come out of this pandemic, um, are reliant on their transit systems to be vibrant once again. But it's my perspective that it's inevitable that we are going to get back to the sort of vibrant urban centers that have characterized the large cities where we have operations. And we're seeing ridership increasing faster than office occupancy in a lot of our cities. People coming in, people who live there coming out uh, onto the streets and traveling around. Office occupancy is lagging uh, that ridership return a bit, but people are coming back and just coming back a little differently. So, you know, cities are still going to be the largest place to concentrate people. The numbers and the dynamics and the patterns may have changed, but people will still be attracted to cities. There's a fantastic quote from Ardine Williams, who's Amazon's vice president of workforce development. And uh, so I'll just read the quote here. It says, we know that talent attracts talent. And we believe that the creative energy of cities like New York will continue to attract diverse professionals from around the world. And I think that is that is just so true. You know, no one sort of grew up and dreamed of working from home. You know, people, when they think about what they're going to go and do and what they're going to accomplish professionally in the world, they think about going to places where they can do these things. And uh, and I don't think many of them are imagining doing it in their basement or in or in an extra room or things like that. They're thinking about going to New York, going to L.A., going to Miami, going to these cities where you can join companies full of other like-minded people who are also trying to have this impact and be a part of that. And while you can be so productive and do so much remotely, the end of the day, I think that 
people who really, you know, are getting things done want to do it in and around other people. And that makes me feel extremely bullish on the future of cities. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, the notion of people are returning and they're returning differently. So the thought that just because people are physically returning to work is lacking, it doesn't mean that the return to cities is lagging. I'd love to turn it over to Phil. You know, you're riding the subways a lot. Um, you are commuting to the office. So as people are physically starting to return you and we're seeing their behaviors change, what does return to ridership look like? Good question. And and the way to answer it is it's, it is now looking like it used to look, albeit with a lower quantity. And I'll back up and just tell you that when we were deep into the crisis back in uh, June and we looked around and we said, you know what, this is mostly essential workers. The rest of the people are not commuting to uh, their place of work. The people that are commuting are the people that have to commute and everybody else is staying home and staying safe. As the uh, summer's gone on, people have learned um, how to manage their, their safety with COVID through distancing and mask wearing, et cetera, especially in New York City, uh, been in a much more manageable level. And people are realizing that they can start operating somewhere in between the way they used to operate and, and the new normal. The ridership on the subway has been growing since it's a low ebb of 800,000 uh, in New York, at, you know, 8% or 5% of former riders. Uh, in other cities, the same thing. Ridership was reduced on subway uh, systems and New York and Boston and D.C. and Atlanta and Miami and, and so forth. Everybody uh, had a similar pattern of uh, ridership really ground to a halt. And it's been climbing back ever since where ridership is now up in the between 30 and 40 percent of a former uh, ridership in most of the cities. And uh, you are seeing a, a broad spectrum of riders return when back in June it was clearly uh, essential workers. And the habits may be changing. We are seeing uh, as many as uh, a million eight people riding, but who's riding and how often they're riding is starting to evolve. The typical office scenario would be people are coming in, you know, a couple days a week, not five days a week, uh, which would be normal. People are working from home then maybe coming to the office for a day or two um, to do something that they can do more efficiently in an office setting than they can do at home. And so the ridership seems to have a broad base of people riding less frequently but it's it's more of a broad ridership because uh, people are mixed in as they're only coming a few days a week. So I think that's an interesting look at how the ridership has evolved. And uh, I think that's a welcome scenario. So that's important for the cities because transportation is underpinning the success of cities. And as Damien talked about, are people interested in getting back to work and being in their office and so forth? The New York Times had noticed in the middle of the pandemic, Facebook take the biggest dent out of available office space in New York City because they're dedicated to knowing that people that want to collaborate together are going to be working together. And across the United States, tech workers over the last uh, three years, 250,000 of them were hired, and most of them went to the five top cities, which are generally vertical cities with public transportation networks. And they did that because that's how work can best be done together, even if um, people are working at home. So we're seeing an, uh, an evolving uh, ridership on our public transportation. I think it's also important to note that initially there were articles that were quite shocking, and they talked about uh, transit systems being super spreaders. 
And, and now the, the information is coming out that, in fact, uh, that may not be the case. Studies have shown when they evaluated people that got COVID, where did they come from? They generally had reported they had never been riding public transportation. The illness had been reported at some other gathering, whether a restaurant or a bar or whatever they were at, but, but not in public transportation. What they realized they were piecing together is that when riding public transportation, people tend to not speak. And mass compliance has been quite high in all the markets. You get on your bus or your subway and you ride for 20 minutes and you get off. And you're not carrying on a conversation with a bunch of strangers. And by the way, ventilation systems on buses and subways are actually quite good. So the air quality is is pretty decent. So I think it's very important to note that more and more people, as they sample the cleanliness and, and they are learning that perhaps these aren't super spreader um, situations being on public transportation, are getting more comfortable riding, getting more comfortable uh, returning to their primary place of work. You know, that just means it's workable and it's better for everyone. Now, when I say everyone, I do mean including advertisers because the environment is better. The environment is clean. Uh, advertising uh, campaigns are presentable. Vandalism isn't an issue. And so I just think the overall quality of the presentation may actually have improved, even if there aren't as many riders. The riders are the, are the right people that you want to be reaching. Um, if, in fact, you know, you're, you're searching for um, the, co- the commuting audience that's going to the major cities. Phil, since the science is still evolving and we think we may have maybe dealing with more of a confidence issue, do you suppose that perhaps a younger demographic will be more confident and start returning first? I do believe the younger demographic is going to be much more confident in riding the system and return first. That's been my observation in the system, but that doesn't necessarily, you know, observation doesn't necessarily mean it's fact. But the younger demographics that are in the cities are out and about and socializing and going to restaurants and are riding their bikes in the park and appear to be less concerned with the environment than uh, an older generation that rightly might be more at risk. And it's natural to think that as people come back to the transit system or get more comfortable riding it, whether it's their first time in a long time or starting to commute to uh, social events or to work or wherever they are going, that it's a little bit like ripping off a Band-Aid. There were concerns early on, but then they have such a positive experience that they are likely to return and keep returning and feeling that much more confident in the system, which is great. It should be noted in terms of ridership and a younger demographic and having confidence Uh, As a percentage, weekend ridership is greater than pre-pandemic, which is interesting. Just just as a a percentage growth, there are a few more people riding on the weekends than used to ride. And that's interesting because that's generally not going to be work-related. That means that's going to be more social-related. The fact that you're seeing increases a percentage basis of people riding on weekends, meaning that people are just saying, I, you know, perhaps I'm working from home much of the week, but uh, it's time to go uh, visit a friend or it's time to go to the park and I'm uh, jump on public transportation and I'm going to go over there. To me, that, that was a very good sign that there's a normal return occurring and people feel safe enough to go on the system to go out about their everyday business, regardless of whether or not they chose to return to the office. 
Phil, that's backed up by data. So I was just looking at the ridership uh, stats for MARTA in Atlanta just the other day, and weekend ridership is up seven points higher than weekday ridership. So as we start to think about that there's this growing confidence again amongst consumers who are riding the system, whether it's above ground, underground, moving about cities. So the return to cities is happening. It's happening differently. The day-to-day commuting may not be what it once was, but the weekend commuting and the weekend activity and the weekend moving about seems to be different and even higher. So as brands and businesses who used to try to reach those audiences and targeted cities are thinking about their ad spend, kind of going back to who our clients are and what they why they would think about investing in transit media, what should they think of this moment and these patterns? Having seen who has come back first, which brands, which advertisers have been leading the charge uh, behind an increase in revenue across all of our transit properties since the, since the depths of the pandemic, um, we've really seen an interest in brands being associated with the recovery with a return to normalcy. We've seen brands uh, like Uber and a lot of regional healthcare companies, you know, proudly using transit media to get their message out. That, that's a, a great point. Um, I think I would just echo what Damien's saying, that brands really are looking at this as an opportunity to be part of the comeback um, and being there present in front of people as they're as they're out and about in their day. The next thing I would say is what we're seeing and we're describing are some returns to quote unquote normalcy, but we're also seeing, as as Phil and Damien mentioned with weekend activity, new patterns emerging as people move about these urban environments. And that's a, a really great opportunity for brands to understand what they need to do across an entire cityscape to reach and connect with consumers. So, you know, I think some of the first things that they can do is understand that it it isn't just about being in the subway, that they should be layering their media approaches across various uh, transit modes. There are obviously a lot more people taking buses now than there there used to be. Uh, And there are a lot of people still outside walking around more than they would pre-pandemic, as we've seen in some of our data. And so that's a huge opportunity for bus exterior. So this notion of looking at layering different media together in order to reach their consumers is really important. And then, Jason, to follow up on that, creatively, what do you think has changed in terms of the type of experiences that consumers are craving and that people are willing and able to engage with? I think one of the big things that I always think about right now is the QR codes are finally having their moment because every restaurant asks you to use a smartphone to access the menu. So whereas QR codes used to be a little wonky and cumbersome, people are really familiar with them now and they're now part of a regular behavior. So how has this moment impacted creative and what can brands think about when they're trying to reach people? Well, that is a great point, Lindsay, about QR codes. In fact, I I was at a restaurant uh, this weekend on Sunday uh, and the menu was entirely on my phone and and I accessed access that through a QR code. And I think you're absolutely right. People are realizing the convenience of sort of visually linking from uh, something in print or something in, in an out-of-home digital ad uh, and immediately getting to what that piece of communication is directing them to 
through a QR code. In fact, we just recently launched a program with NYC and Co and the MTA to help encourage people to explore different neighborhoods around New York and try different types of food that might be associated with those neighborhoods. And through a QR code on the um, content, you can immediately link to the MTA uh, trip planner and it recognizes where you where you were in the station where you scan the QR code and where you're trying to go based on what that particular piece of content is promoting. So I think it's a great moment for QR codes. I think, you know, the other thing is that it's a great communal moment. So terrible as this is in so many ways, it is something that everyone is going through. So I think brands have have recognized this opportunity to speak to the entire community of consumers who in addition to the brand wanting to make their sales pitch to share something with that person that uh, might be of interest to them to buy, uh, I think they are also able to do it in a way that connects us all together, recognizing that we're all in, in, in dealing with the same thing. When marketers speak with us about wanting to reach New Yorkers or wanting to reach Bostonians, or people that live and work in D.C. Those folks are there living their lives, buying products, and and they are excited not to always be in their home. And uh, the public transportation systems are passing in front of their, their apartment buildings, their houses, their brownstones, their places of business or worship, and the medium is, is impacting those city dwellers. And advertisers that have said, I'm, I'm just got to get my ad in a captive environment in, in front of a number of people that are watching my show or buying my product. And when the answer is, well, how many of those do you have? And I say, we've got 1.8 million riding every day. That's a hell of a lot of people. And it comes at a price point on an impression that's extremely affordable. So the medium is dynamic, serves its purpose and reaches its target. Our company was born in the subway. Back in 1938, you know, we were incorporated as transportation displays. We were built to serve an urban audience. We now serve the top 25 DMAs in the U.S., almost every major metropolitan center. We have a vested interest in seeing our municipal audiences return, and we're excited to be a part of that recovery as it happens. On that note, thank you, Damien, Jason, and Phil for joining for t- today and having a really fresh discussion on public transit, the state of cities, and how anyone listening, whether you're a marketer, whether you're just someone coming back to the city trying to figure out if you should get on the train, no matter what it is, that it's safe that ridership is coming back. And We'll continue having these discussions, and there's much more to come, like Damien said, from out front as part of our commitment to cities. It's our foundation. It's who we are. So until next time, over and out.